Good morning. Welcome to The Point, the radio ministry of Life Point Baptist Church of Early Texas. Life Point meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11. We meet at the Early Chamber of Commerce at 104 East Industrial Drive in Early. You can find out more by logging on to pointtolife.wordpress.com and by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pointtolife. As we continue our study through the Bible, let's turn to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again, and plucked it out of his bosom, and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe thee, neither hearken to the voice of the first sign, that they will believe the voice of the latter sign. And it shall come to pass, if they will not believe also these two signs, neither hearken unto thy voice, that thou shalt take of the water of the river, and pour it upon the dry land. And the water which thou takest out of the river shall become blood upon the dry land. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. But I am slow of speech, and of a slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. And he said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him whom thou wilt send. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And thou shalt speak unto him, and put words in his mouth, and I will be with thy mouth, and with his mouth, and will teach you what ye shall do. And he shall be thy spokesman unto the people, and he shall be, even he shall be to thee instead of a mouth, and thou shalt be to him instead of God. And thou shalt take this rod in thine hand, wherewith thou shalt do signs. And Moses went and returned to Jethro his father-in-law, and said unto him, Let me go, I pray thee, and return unto my brethren which are in Egypt, and see whether they be yet alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said unto Moses and Midian, Go, return into Egypt, for all the men are dead which sought thy life. And Moses took his wife his sons and set them upon a donkey and he returned to the land of Egypt and Moses took the rod of God in his hand and the Lord said unto Moses when thou goest to return into Egypt see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh which I have put in thine hand but I will harden his heart that he shall not let the people go and thou shalt say unto Pharaoh thus saith the Lord Israel is my son even my firstborn 
And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Now we will stop reading right there because the focus of this message is going to be on the first half of Exodus chapter 4. Now in Exodus chapter 4, we are following the conversation between God and Moses after God has called Moses to go into Egypt to free the Israelites. Back in Exodus chapter 3, God called Moses a fugitive farmer and a man of faith to lead his people out of Egypt. Now Moses was a fugitive in that he had to flee Egypt after killing an Egyptian who was assaulting a Hebrew slave. He was a farmer in that he kept the sheep of his father-in-law, Jethro. And he was a man of faith in that he chose to be with God's people and to follow the Lord as opposed to enjoying the pleasures of sin in Pharaoh's palace. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 26 say, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And so what you have with Moses is you have this man who was a man of faith, even though all the odds should have been against him. His mother had to hide him in the Nile River when he was three months of age in order to save his life. He wound up being adopted by the daughter of Pharaoh, being raised in Pharaoh's palace, and being taught all the heathenistic ways and all the pagan ways of the Egyptian people, even though his mother had taught him about the Lord in early childhood because she was able to nurse him up until the time he was about five years old. And so Moses was a man of faith. He was a man who trusted God. And that's what Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, that Moses trusted God. Therefore, when it came down between the Egyptian and the Hebrew slave, that Moses sided with the Hebrew slave, the Israelite slave, and slayed the Egyptian who was oppressing him. And in that decision, Moses revealed his faith that he trusted the Lord and he was going to suffer with God's people and suffer the persecution that came with being a man of God and a man of faith rather than just taking the easy way out and enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. And so here you have Moses. He's this man of faith, but because he slayed the Egyptian assaulter, the Egyptian aggressor, he had to flee Egypt in order to save his life. So he's kind of a fugitive and he's a farmer as well. Now, Moses, being a man of faith, very likely knew that God was going to deliver the Israelites. They had a prophecy that they would be in Egypt for about 400 years and that God would bring them back out of Egypt into their homeland, into the promised land. They had that prophecy given all the way back in Genesis. So it wasn't a surprise when God started to make moves to liberate the Israelites. And so Moses likely believed this, knew this, trusted God to do this. But then when God called him to be the man, to be the catalyst for this movement, things changed because all of a sudden, Moses is going to have to put his life on the line and undertake a task that is going to be daunting. Moses was a man of faith who trusted God to redeem the people of Israel from the slavery that they suffered in Egypt. What Moses didn't expect was that God would use him to accomplish that goal. You know, we often pray to God to resolve situations in our lives, to work in our communities, to bring about miracles and make things happen. We pray for God to alleviate suffering, to heal, to comfort, to lift up. And we trust him to do that for us. We trust him to answer those prayers. And we often prefer for God to wave a magic wand and just resolve all of those issues for us. And, well, you know, sometimes he does that. Sometimes he miraculously works things out. But more often than not, he works through us 
to work his will. And when God calls us to play a part in the working of his will, when God calls us to be involved in what he is doing, when God calls us to step up, that can be a daunting situation. And that's exactly what Moses is facing here. Moses is being called to carry out God's will. This fugitive farmer is being called to rally the Israelites and to speak before Pharaoh, the most powerful ruler in the world. And so in Exodus chapter 4 here, Moses is questioning whether or not he's up to the task. And what he learns in Exodus chapter 4 is what we all should learn, and that is if God calls you to it, he will elevate you to being up to the task. And so in Exodus chapter 4, we learn that God overcomes our doubt because that's the issue that Moses is facing here in Exodus chapter 4. He's uh, facing issues of doubt. In Exodus chapter 4, we learn that God overcomes our doubt, first of all, by staying with us. Second of all, by overcoming our inabilities. And third of all, by sending us help. God overcomes our doubts by empowering us, and he empowers us by staying with us. We look in verse 1 here in Exodus chapter 4. The Bible says, And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. For they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. You say, how could Moses question God like this? Can't he just accept that God spoke to him and go forth in faith? Listen. Moses is a fugitive farmer who lives in Midian. Now picture this. A farmer from Midian goes into Egypt and tries to rally millions of Israelite slaves to support his cause. He just comes in and tells the nation of Israel, hey, I heard from God. He's ready to deliver us. Follow me. If you were there, would you follow him? You have this random farmer comes in from out of town and says, hey, God spoke to me. Follow me. That's what Moses is thinking about. He's thinking about, are these guys going to think I'm crazy? Are they going to think I'm nuts? Are they going to believe me? How about this? A farmer from Midian tries to get an audience with Pharaoh. You know, he didn't just walk up in Pharaoh's palace right there before his throne and say, hey, Pharaoh, what's going on, man? Need to talk to you. No, he didn't do that. I mean, I know Charlton Heston did it in the Ten Commandments. That's because in the interest of time and keeping the movie to less than four hours, they had to cut out the scenes where Charlton Heston had to meet with Pharaoh's secretary and all that, okay? So can you imagine this farmer from Midian showing up to the palace, to Pharaoh's palace, and talking to his executive assistant saying, hey, I need to get a meeting with Pharaoh. I mean, imagine a farmer from Central Texas driving up to the White House in Washington, D.C. and saying, hey, I need to meet with Donald Trump. Can y'all uh, arrange that for me? I need to talk to him preferably today sometime. I mean, I've got a hotel room maybe tomorrow if at all possible. I mean, can you picture that? It, it doesn't happen, does it? A random farmer from out of town or out of the country doesn't just happen to show up and speak to the most powerful man in the world. And so Moses is thinking about this. He's like, hey, listen, I'm just a farmer here from Midian. And I'm going to go in there and rally the Israelites and get an audience before Pharaoh? How's this going to happen, God? How about this? A farmer from Midian tells everybody that God talks to him. Moses here in verse 1 has a legitimate question. In the same way that Moses 
was overwhelmed by the things he was being called upon to do, you may be overwhelmed by the magnitude of the challenge before you. And I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what challenges lay before you. Whether you are overcoming a tragedy. Tragedy happens a lot. Here recently with Hurricane Harvey, a lot of tragedy happening on the Texas coast, and that's affected a lot of us here in the Brown County area as well. I know that a lot of folks here have family down on the coast. A lot of folks here have property down on the coast. You may be in the process of trying to figure out what to do in the aftermath of this tragedy. Maybe it's not Harvey related. Maybe it's not earthquake related. Maybe you've had a personal tragedy. Somebody close to you has passed away. There has been an accident and you've been injured in this accident. I don't know what situation is happening in your life, what tragedy you may be facing, or whether you've got a wayward child that is making bad decisions that is destroying their life and you're trying to stop them from destroying their life and you're trying to get through to them to talk some sense into them. That can be an overwhelming uh, challenge to face as well. Maybe you are suffering from an illness or a disability, or maybe you are trying to make an impact in this community. Things can get overwhelming, and sometimes you can question your ability, and you can question whether or not you're really up to the task and whether or not God really wants you to be involved in this at all. Just remember that if God called you to it, he will be with you through it. If God called you to it, he will lead you through it. And that's exactly how God responds to Moses here in Exodus chapter 4. We read verses 2 through 5. The Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And the Lord said, Cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, and take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and caught it, and it became a rod in his hand, that they might believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath appeared unto thee. To overcome Moses' fear of unbelief, to overcome Moses' fear that nobody would listen to him, that he would come across as being crazy, God gave Moses a sign to perform to show that God was with Moses. And this sign would show all doubters that God was in this, that God was empowering this. And moreover, this sign would show that God was with Moses. God was with Moses. And this sign would also serve as a reminder to Moses that God was with him. Everything that Moses was about to suffer, everything that Moses was about to have to deal with, all the challenges, all the disbelief, all the pushback, all of the, all of the rebellion against him, all of the headaches that Moses was about to endure, not only from Pharaoh, and there would be quite a few headaches from Pharaoh, but also from his own people. Moses was going to wind up dealing with unbelief and rebellion by the people even while they were still in Egypt. And after they came through Egypt, they get to the Red Sea. They hadn't even been gone 15 minutes. They were already ready to uh, to throw him aside. He winds up in the Sinai Desert, and they, they constantly gripe and complain about him then. I mean, that's what people like to do. They like to gripe, and they like to complain. Moses was about to have to deal with some high-level headaches. And what God was showing him through this sign was not only could he show these Israelites and Pharaoh by turning his rod into a serpent that God was with him, but he had to be reminded that God was with him, and he would know that through everything he was about to go through, God would be with him the entire time. And just as God was with Moses, he is with you too if you know him.
So have that faith, have that faith that it took for Moses to go back into Egypt and lead his people out of slavery. Have that faith. And the way you have that faith is, first of all, you know, Jesus Christ is your personal savior. If you have never turned from your sins and trusted Jesus Christ to save you, then you haven't even begun to be a partaker of the promises of God. None of this stuff will apply to you because you're not one of God's people. These promises that God makes here in the book of Exodus and throughout the Bible are made to God's people. And God's people are those who know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So if you've never had that conversion moment, you cannot remember that time. Uh, Maybe you don't know that you've ever had that time. If you've never had that time where you made that decision to turn from your sins and trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then you need to do that today. You need to turn to the Lord, ask him to forgive you your sins, ask him to save your soul, and trust that he will do it because Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin when he hung on that cross. Trust the Lord as your Savior. And if you know the Lord as your Savior, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, know that God is going with you through whatever it is you are struggling through in life. He has not abandoned you. He said in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he saith, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Whatever situation you are in in life, trust him in that situation because he has promised that he would never leave you and he would never forsake you. Now, I know a lot of people like to look at that and say, well, that's security of the believer. That's one saved, always saved. That means I'm going to go to heaven no matter what. This is true, but it also means that he hasn't abandoned you from his presence while you're going through life in this world. He is still with you. And so to overcome doubt, we need to remember that God is always with us and he empowers us by being with us. The second thing that we learn from Exodus chapter four here is that God overcomes our doubts by overcoming our inabilities. If we look in verse 10 here, the Bible tells us, and Moses said unto the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Okay, let's think about this. Moses was a farmer, not a politician. Can you imagine how many speeches Moses must have given as a shepherd of the flocks of Jethro? I mean, do you think he actually stood up on little tree stumps and gave sermons to the flock of sheep? No, he didn't. He didn't preach to the livestock. You don't preach to the livestock. You may yell at one every now and then, but you don't preach to them. No, Moses was not a politician. He was not a smooth operator. He was not an eloquent speaker. And he wasn't necessarily a quick thinker. You ever know one of those people that no matter what you say to them, they have a comeback? That wasn't Moses. He wasn't the comeback king. He wasn't the one that could snap right back at you. He didn't have a quick wit. An intelligent man, a highly educated man, yes. You know, guy with a quick wit, not so much. And so Moses, not being an eloquent speaker and not being quick on his feet with a sharp verbal comeback, he wasn't sure that he was going to be able to follow through on the Lord's instructions. Moses wasn't sure that he was going to be able to win the debates, more or less. And so he wasn't sure he was up to the task that God called him to. When God calls you to something or when that challenge presents itself, you may feel like you are not able to step up to the plate. You may not feel like you have the strength to endure what's coming. You may not feel like you have the skill or the know-how to do what God has called you to do. But there is something to remember, and that thing to remember is spelled out in verses 11 through 12. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth, or who maketh the dumb, 
or deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. The thing, the thing to remember when you are questioning whether or not you have the ability to live up to what God's called you to, when you are looking at that struggle that's coming down that road that you know you're going to have to go through, whether it is a financial struggle that's about to happen because you know that you're about to be laid off or that you have been laid off, whether it's a health care struggle, you're about to undergo cancer treatment and you're wondering if you have the strength to go through this process, uh, whether you're dealing with a conflict, you may wonder, do I have the ability? I don't think I can go through this. I don't have the strength for this. I don't know if I'm up to this. That's, those are perfectly natural, normal human emotions. But the thing to remember is that God created you and God knew you before he formed you in his in your mother's womb. He knows you and he knows your abilities. In fact, God knows you better than you know yourself and he knows your abilities and your strength better than you know your abilities and your strength. So trust him to bring you through the challenges that are coming up, the challenges that you face, that you face. God can elevate your ability to face what he has called you to. So just trust him. When we're facing situations in life, it is normal to have doubt. It is normal to wonder if I'm up for this. It is normal to wonder what the end result of this situation will be. Don't allow your self-doubt to turn into unbelief because whatever it is that you face, God will pull you through. And that's what's happening here in Exodus chapter 4. Moses has some legitimate concerns. He has some questions about what's happening. He even has a little bit of self-doubt in this particular situation. The problem that happens with Moses is he allows that self-doubt to turn into unbelief. And that's what kindles God's anger. If we look in verse 14, in verse 14, the Bible says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Rallying the Israelites, and bear in mind, there's millions of Israelites at this particular time, rallying the Israelites and speaking to Pharaoh in the palace is a daunting task for any one man. I mean, when Moses went in there, he's thinking he's going to have to stand there on that soapbox in front of those Israelites all by himself and have to come up with what to say and what to do all by himself. And he's thinking he's going to have to face off with Pharaoh all by himself. And so Moses asked for a little bit of help here. And God, in verse 14, says, I'm going to send help. I'm sending your brother Aaron. He is going to be glad. He's coming out to meet you. He's going to be glad to see you. And he is going to be your help. I'm going to uh, let you tell him what you need him to say. He's going to be your mouth. And you're going to be his representative to God. And you're going to be the, co- the connection between him and God. Uh, More or less, that's what the Bible says in Exodus chapter 4. You can read on through the end of the chapter if you like. But the thing I want us to focus on is how God was sending help to Moses. Moses wasn't going to have to face this challenge. Moses wasn't going to have to do this deal on his own. He was not going to have to do it by himself. And the thing to remember is that God does not want us to be isolated. There are no lone rangers when it comes to God. There's no such thing as the Christian Lone Ranger. No, I'm not talking about the Lone Ranger from the TV show. I'm talking about God has not called us to walk this path alone. We look in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25 says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more 
as you see the day approaching. God has not called us into isolation. And when we drift into isolation, discouragement and doubt set in. God calls us and he sends us help by sending us our Christian brothers and sisters. Satan is the one that tries to drift us into isolation because Satan knows that he, if he isolates us, if he isolates one of us, he can drive us down with fear and doubt and discouragement and unbelief. And so in order to avoid that level of destruction, that level of discouragement, we need to make sure that we stay with our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, the Bible tells us that the devil is like a lion that goeth about seeking whom he may devour. You know how lions do their job? The lions, the lioness is actually the women do the hunting in the lion kingdom. That's something I always found interesting. But anyway, the way they do this is they intimidate a herd by their roaring and then they attack the herd. And what they're looking for is that one slow gazelle, that one slow wildebeest, that one slow zebra, whatever animal they're hunting. They're looking for that one slow member of the herd that they can cut off from the herd. And once that that member's been cut off from the herd, he's dinner. That's how lions do their work. They isolate one and then they destroy one. If you find yourself isolated from your Christian brothers and sisters, you haven't elevated yourself to a higher level of spirituality than them. What you've done is you've allowed yourself to become isolated and you are an easier target for Satan at that point. And so the Lord gives us these verses in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. He says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know what we're supposed to be doing in church? These verses are not telling us that we need to get down to church and sit in a church pew and go through the ritual every Sunday. What these verses are telling us is that we need to get together with other Christians. We need to get together. We need to consider one another. What that means is to learn each other, to get to know each other, to learn each other's backgrounds, and to love each other for it. And to provoke, now that word provoke sounds like a bad word. It sounds like it's something negative because in modern culture, if I say you're provoking me, I'm saying that you're agitating me and I'm about to respond to it. But the King James word provoke, if you go back to 1611 and you were to pull a Webster's Dictionary from 1611, which wouldn't exist because Webster didn't exist till the, anyway, forget about that. But if you were to pull a 1611 Dictionary, you would find the word provoke means to incite, to encourage, to do something great. We are to get together to know each other and to encourage each other unto love, to love one another, and to encourage each other to good works. And we can't do that if we're forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's what Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25 say. And so we are not to turn away from getting together with our Christian brothers and sisters. We're to get together, not just on a Sunday morning worship service, but also in terms of fellowshipping together, being friends, getting together outside of the worship service, knowing each other, and doing that more and more as we see the day of the Lord approaching. So to overcome doubt and to overcome the disbelief and the discouragement that can set in, join a church. Join a Bible-believing, scripturally and doctrinally sound church and gather with them as often as possible. Go to the services, but get together with them outside of services as well. You know, you look at Exodus chapter 4, and 
Moses is facing the situation where God has called him to do something that Moses thinks is beyond his ability. And so Moses is trying to address this situation with the Lord. We have all been in that situation in one form of or another. Now, God may have never called you to lead a bunch of slaves to freedom. He may have never called you to speak to a high-ranking politician, but you probably have been in that place where you questioned whether you could move forward, whether you could go any longer, whether you could keep this up anymore, whether you could take any more. I just hope that phone doesn't ring. I don't know if I could take any more bad news. You ever been there? Have you ever been to that place where you say, I don't know if I can take this anymore? We've all been there. That's part of being a human being. And so when you find yourself in that place, remember that God is with you. He promised to never leave you nor forsake you. He said in Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So remember that God is with you. Trust him to pull you through and then lean on your brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage you and to help you overcome. Toward the end, I made a comment about joining a church. And if you don't have a church home, I would really like to invite you to Life Point Baptist Church. We meet over at the Early Chamber of Commerce, 104 East Industrial Drive in Early. Uh, We have Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m. We would love to see you this morning. Come out and visit with us if you'd like. You can find more information on us. We've got a blog, point2life.wordpress.com, point2life.wordpress.com. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash point to life. So basically it's point to life, point to life.wordpress.com, facebook.com slash point to life. But you're welcome to check out those resources, but please come visit with us sometime. Sunday school at 10, morning worship at 11. We meet at the early chamber of commerce, 104 East Industrial Drive and early. That's just off of highway 377 next to Pates Hardware. May God bless you today.